Hello and welcome to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. This week, we have week two of my interview with Greg Smith of Sonnen Batteries. Sonnen is one of the pioneering leaders of modern day lithium energy storage systems. On with the continuation of my interview. How much of the value of energy storage is the software? I mean, it's like data and all that kind of stuff and knowing when to turn it off, knowing when the rainstorm's coming, how to communicate with the Mm -hmm. internet. Yeah, it's all software. You know, Germans tell me, you know, we can do anything we want with the software. It's all in there. So the BMS or the battery management system that we have, the BMS for any energy storage company is the secret sauce. That's what makes these things work. It's just like the maximum PowerPoint tracking algorithms in solar inverters. Some MPPTs track better than others. Like that's provable in you know scientific testing and just you know anecdotally sure and so the bms is a very very critical part and you brought up weather forecasting and things like that so the weather forecasting is a feature that's found in only one of our products and that's the eco links and that is some very very sophisticated stuff there's nobody else that is doing what we are doing. We're actually combining home automation with energy storage. And we created this new word called energy automation. And it's actually getting a house smart, right? It's actually having a home that can prepare itself for an imminent grid outage based on a weather alert that came in from the National Weather Service. We can start lowering shades. We can dim lights. We can turn off distributed audio. We can turn off controllable breakers, we can turn off the breaker to large loads like the air conditioning, and we can fill the batteries up and just have it ready for this grid outage. And a lot of people at the shows are like, well, I don't know, man, like I can do that with my storage system and an Alexa and some dimmable bulbs. I'm like, dude, that, that is not a smart home. That's a connected home. That's nowhere even close what we're doing. So that's another thing. You know, besides the virtual power plants that Sonnen is really developing a market for. Yeah, I imagine that it's a lot more complicated than even MPPT. I mean, it's like maybe you're looking at where the person is, if they're coming home, what the sun's doing, how much energy they're going to use, if it's the weekend, if school's out. I mean, there's so many variables that they can learn. I guess you would call it AI in a way. Yeah, we lean a lot on the home automation platform, but we're still handshaking with it, right? There's a lot of stuff on our end that has to happen either with or without the home automation platform. So it does get complicated, but luckily the homeowners, they don't have to worry about it. Like it's just all done all by itself. And the installers, they don't have to program any of that. That's all done by the home automation people. All they have to do is install our system, which is pretty easy, plug in an Ethernet cable and commission the system, which will take about 10 minutes, and that's it. And all the rest of it is done by the home automation people. So you were saying controllable breakers. How does that work? Do you guys supply the breakers, or do you work with some other company that has them? Yeah, we do supply them, and we can get them a lot cheaper than if you were to buy them you know, mm-hmm. on the open market. And the whole energy automation... 
is set up. We have some very specific people to help with that because we understand that it, it's a, that's a brand new world to a lot of people. A lot of solar guys aren't in that world, but it's okay because the home automation people, they don't know nothing about solar and storage. So it's a great way to expand both of the businesses. The process is the same regardless of whether you have home automation or not. It just depends on which product you want to use. Yeah, so the NEC, the 2020 NEC has 705.13 power control systems. And so that would be something that you guys would be jumping into when people start adopting the 2020 NEC. Would would work with those controllable breakers and be super awesome and make it so mm-hmm. you can interconnect on the load side with a whole bunch of power without having to comply with 705.12. It's so much fun. And those breakers would be put in the sub panel that our sawing unit would feed. Uh, I just want to get clear that feature is only available with our eco links product, the black one, the black case and the controller breakers are controlled by the home automation platform. And there's five or six platforms that we're able to work with. Savant, Crestron, Control 4. A lot of solar people, that's probably Greek to them. And it was for me as well until about a year and a half ago when we jumped into this market. But the controllable breakers offer what we've been begging for for decades. And it's a nice, clean, efficient way for load shedding. That's really all we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then figuring out when to shed the loads and all that. So much involved there. Yeah, yeah. It's all on the home automation side. Of course, those guys, they're all pro. You're looking at an iPad, you slide your finger, like, okay, when do you want that to go off? Put a time in and you're done. Like, it's it's so cool. Great, yeah. I know that there's so much software involved with this. What if somebody, and it's connected to the internet, what if somebody like Mark Zuckerberg and the Russians hacked all the Sonin batteries? What kind of damage could they do to society? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, that's always a, uh, a question that we get. And, you know, we have some very high security standards. Matter of fact, we've had to tighten them up even more. We were acquired by Shell uh, oh, really? not too I didn't long ago. That. Yeah, yeah. So The big oil company. That's right. That's wow. right. They have done some work for them. That's awesome that they're turning to renewables. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they have a renewable portfolio standard that they're trying to build and sawn and fit into that very nicely. So, you know, they had some other requirements. It's not that we weren't safe before. It's just Shell had other requirements that caused us to really beef things up even more. So if a 14-year-old Russian hacker wants to get into something, I think he's <laughs> going to be able to do it. <laughs> well, I noticed one of the things that I was reading in a newspaper article that there's all these energy transactions that's happening with the virtual power plants. And are you guys using blockchain? Oh yeah. Yeah. Blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. That was the the buzzword for, for just about everybody and the SPIs going a couple years back. Yeah. It's a fascinating thing and it's a little outside of my comfort zone. I, I get the basic idea of blockchain, but man, I will leave that to the professionals and, and the geeky guys that like to work with that stuff. I, I had this one idea quite a while ago that was you could get a power plant and then you can have your energy storage system or your PV system, your inverter, also be a Bitcoin miner. And then mm-hmm. instead of sending electricity back to the grid, if it was more beneficial, 
you could mine for bitcoins yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and I'm, I'm sure that it you know a 12 year old kid could figure that out pretty quick pretty cool and so another thing let's see i was reading this thing from energy storage news and they were talking about one of your projects and it was able to absorb generation from wind farms that otherwise would have been curtailed and i guess that's probably in germany yeah it's in mm -hmm. germany it says yeah yep yep so you're even in the wind business now and that's the the benefit of having an ac coupled system solar is predominantly the largest ac source that is ac coupled to our systems but we can also take a wind turbine micro hydro water turbine anything that's ul listed that feeds a breaker can be used with our system mm -hmm. yeah imagine too that it's going to be the electric vehicles when they start back feeding the grid doing grid support or backup that your software would be very valuable so is there even talks or anything like that between ev manufacturers and sonin oh there's been talks for that for a while i mean it sounds like a really sexy thing right and people have been wanting to do that for years they've been wanting to take their batteries and kind of inject it outback even has a parameter for you to be able to do that and for lead acid batteries you know unless your delta between buyback and selling energy was about 40 or 45 cents or so it just didn't make sense because you were over cycling the batteries and i don't understand that concept because electric vehicles when, when you look at data there's an article out there, it's a couple of years old, but they were talking about the Tesla cells and how the chemists were gushing over this 300,000 mile cell. And then they also said that the cells would get about 1,200 cycles for that 300,000 miles. I'm like, 1,200 cycles? Like if you cycled that once a day, that's only four and a half years on that battery. And understanding that electric vehicles may not get cycled that much if you take that same battery that's used in a car with 1200 cycles and you put that in a power wall or an lg chem or something like that in a stationary application that 1200 cycles you know one cycle a day is not that far-fetched so now you're looking at four and a half five years six years depending on how you use that system and now you want to be able to do this sexy thing with taking your car and injecting it in your house causing more cycles than normal on that battery and i just i don't get it like why would you want to reduce the lifespan of your electric vehicle like that so with the sonin battery what's the round trip efficiency compare that maybe to lead acid wow so the round trip efficiency of our system is um, 86, 87 percent. And, you know, when you talk about round trip efficiency, you have to get the battery inverter involved. And the battery inverter that we use is 95 percent, right? So 95 percent, there's a 5 percent loss when you charge, and then there's a 5 percent loss when you discharge. And that round trip efficiency is always a little higher for DC coupled systems than it is for AC. And I get this question a lot, sure. but mm -hmm. the advantage to AC coupling is that if most of your loads are used during the day, it's actually a more efficient system because the PV inverters out there, I mean, even the, the bad ones are 98% for a transformerless inverter. So you're only losing 2% from the conversion of the DC to AC on the solar side. And then 
that conversion goes directly into the panel where the loads are going to suck it up. And then, of course, anything extra would then go into the battery. And there's a lot of discussion about round-trip efficiency, and it's usually the DC couple guys promoting it because it is, on paper, a higher advantage, right? When you look at 86 87% versus 98%, that looks like a big number. But when you look at how many cycles some of these battery manufacturers offer, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like we're offering a 10,000 cycle warranty. Our EcoLinks is 15,000 cycle warranty. And when you look at a battery company, it's like, well, we have a 98% round trip efficiency and our batteries are warrantied for 5,000, for 6,000 cycles. That round trip efficiency doesn't mean anything to me anymore because what good is that higher round trip if your batteries are going to conk out way faster than a system with a more robust battery. 10,000 cycles. That's pretty good. Just to compare that, what, lead acid, 70%, something like that? Yeah, so lithium can take a beating. And when you look at lithium ion, it's kind of the same trick right? that the PV inverter manufacturers are using, right? When they talk about their MPPT efficiency, right? Like every inverter company uses a voltage range that makes their maximum power point tracking look the best, right? And so when you look at batteries, lithium in general, they're going to tell you that you can use 100% of the battery capacity, or maybe they say 90% or 95%. And so there's this usable capacity versus total capacity, right? And so you may have for example, a 10 kilowatt hour battery bank, 100% depth of discharge. Well, what may be happening is 10 kilowatt hours is the advertised usable capacity, but then there might be a little bit on the other end as a reserve because you don't want to drain the battery all the way down because then everything turns off and there's no way to charge it, right? Mm So battery manufacturers compensate for that it's a distinction really without a difference. I mean, if you just look on the spec sheet and you look at how much capacity the thing has, that's usually going to be your usable. Great. Okay. I was just thinking too, you mentioned that Shell owned you guys. They were one of the original solar manufacturers. Yeah. Way back in the day. So they go back. Yeah. I know some people that used to work for Shell Solar and that's like Mm. saying something. Yeah. Thanks, Greg Smith of Sonnen Batteries, and thank you for listening to part two of my interview with Greg on Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. To find out more about Sean White's online classes or to hire him for live trainings at your business for NABCEP credit, go to solarsean.com. Copy?